1 Chronicles 23. Now David was old and full of days, and he made Solomon his son the king over Israel. He gathered together all the princes of Israel, with the priests and the Levites. The Levites were counted from 30 years old and upward, and their number by their poles, man by man, was 38,000. David said, Of these, 24,000 were to oversee the work of Yahweh's house, 6,000 were officers and judges, 4,000 were doorkeepers, and 4,000 praised Yahweh with the instruments which I made for giving praise. David divided them into divisions, according to the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Of the Gershonites, Laden and Shimei, the sons of Laden, Gehiel the chief, Zetham and Joel, three. The sons of Shimei, Shelemeth, Haziel, and Haran, three. These were the heads of the father's households of Laden. The sons of Shimei, Jahath, Zena, Jeush, and Beriah. These four were the sons of Shimei. Jahath was the chief, and Zizar the second. But Jeush and Beriah didn't have many sons. Therefore they became a father's house in one reckoning. The sons of Kohath. Amram, Itzar, Hebron, and Uziel, four. The sons of Amram, Aaron and Moses, and Aaron was separated that he should sanctify the most holy things, he and his sons forever, to burn incense before Yahweh, to minister to him, and to bless in his name forever. But as for Moses, the man of God, his sons were named among the tribe of Levi. The sons of Moses, Gershom and Eleazar. The sons of Gershom, Shebuel the chief. The sons of Eliezer were Rehabiah the chief, and Eliezer had no other sons, but the sons of Rehabiah were very many. The sons of Itzar, Shelemith the chief. The sons of Hebron, Jeriah the chief, Amariah the second, Jehaziel the third, Jechamiam the fourth. The sons of Uziel, Micah the chief, and Ishiah the second. The sons of Merari, Mali and Mushi. The sons of Mali, Eleazar and Kish. Eleazar died and had no sons, but daughters only, and their brothers, the sons of Kish, took them as wives. The sons of Mushi, Mali, Eda, and Jeremoth, three. These were the sons of Levi, after their father's houses, even the heads of their father's houses of those who were counted individually, in the number of names by their poles, who did the work for the service of Yahweh's house, from twenty years old and upward. For David said, Yahweh the God of Israel has given rest to his people, and he dwells in Jerusalem forever. Also, the Levites will no longer need to carry the tabernacle and all its vessels for its service. For by the last words of David, the sons of Levi were counted from twenty years old and upward. For their office was to wait on the sons of Aaron for the service of Yahweh's house in the courts and in the rooms and in the purifying of all holy things, even the work of the service of God's house. For the showbread also, and for the fine flour, for a meal offering, whether of unleavened wafers, or of that which is baked in the pan, or of that which is soaked, and for all measurements of quantity and size, and to stand every morning to thank and praise Yahweh, and likewise in the evening, and to offer all burnt offerings to Yahweh, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feasts, in number according to the ordinance concerning them, continually before Yahweh, and that they should keep the duty of the tent of meeting, the duty of the holy place, and the duty of the sons of Aaron their brothers, for the service 
of Yahweh's house. So what we've got here is actually a continuation of the previous chapter, believe it or not. In the last chapter, it was talking about how David was preparing for the temple, how he set aside this amount of gold and this amount of silver. And now it seems like we're changing subjects, but no, we're not. David's actually, in this chapter and three more to come, it's all about organizing for the temple. And now he's working out who he's got that can serve in the temple. And so in this chapter, it tells us that he counted the Levites and there were 38,000 of them. And that's really interesting. If we go all the way back to Numbers chapter four, there was a census of, well, there were actually two censuses of Levi in the book of Numbers, but the first one, there was 8,580 Levites. So it's, it's nearly gone up by five amounts, by five times. And um, so, you know, that's to be expected in a period of like 400 years or so. And so we've now got 38,000 of them. And we now find out that there are 24, let me get my numbers here correct. He splits them up into groups. 24,000 of them are going to assist in the temple. 6,000 of them are going to be officers and judges. 4,000 of them are going to be doorkeepers. And another 4,000 are going to be musicians, a praise and worship team. So he splits this 38,000 up into all these groups and he's going to give them all jobs. Now we haven't, in the next three chapters, we're going to see, we're going to look at these three groups, the priests, the musicians, and the doorkeepers. And we're going to see how they're split up, how they're given jobs, and we're going to discuss it. But basically what we got here is David getting organized for the temple. So even before the temple's actually built, there's a system being put in place for, for worship, a system being put in place for doorkeeping, which we'll talk about, and a system being put in place for sacrifices and offerings, and there's rosters. And so it's all highly organized. And um, some people would have thought, uh, you know, David, you know, just getting the plans ready for the temple, that would have been enough. Because in their mind, they're thinking that the, that the church, so to speak, or the temple, so to speak, is the building. But no, you can have all of this and not have a building. You can have the worship of God going on. You can have the sacrifices of God going on and not even have a building for them. Because the church is never a building. You know, when you're in, the, in popular culture and you talk about a church, you might say, oh, I go to the church down on Tozet Road. You know, that's peace. And in that way of talking about it, the church is a building. You know, it's a, it's a location, it's a physical place. But the church is never ever actually that. You, you can have a church which, which is people only and no physical place they meet, no physical building, no property, they don't own anything. That You can have churches that don't even own a bank account. Um, you, can, you can have church without any of that. In um, the Maldives, so the Maldives is a country in the world where it's illegal to be a Christian and there are, Christianity is outlawed and there are no churches. What I, and when I say there are no churches, what I mean is there are no buildings. There's not a single block of land or single house or structure or anything that's owned by a church organization. Aha, but is there a church there? <laughs> well, yes, there is, because there are Christians there, you see. So the church is God's people. And so what do you do if you're a Christian? Like if, if you're in the Maldives and they find out you're a Christian, well, you get arrested and put in jail. And I've read articles about people like this. Uh, there's some people I knew. In fact, there's several sets of people I have known over the years 
who were you know, suspected of being missionaries, and one of them just had a Bible on their bookshelf, and because they were Americans, they were suspected of being missionaries, and they were booted out of the country just over having seen a Bible on the bookshelf. But as everyone knows, if you're a Christian, you're going to have a Bible. That's just normal. But that level of, of obvious Christianness was enough to have them booted out of the country. One guy who was suspected of being a Christian who was an actual like local Maldivian person was put in jail and tortured for six months um, just over the fact that they wanted to follow Jesus. It's a difficult place to be for Christians. You should pray for them. But what do they do? They go fishing. <laughs> so, you know, on a Sunday or whatever. In fact, it's not even a Sunday. It's probably a Friday because it's a, it's a nation with Islamic rules. And so Friday is the day off and everyone's supposed to go to the mosque or whatever. Well, on a Friday, what do you do? You go fishing. <laughs> Get your fishing rod and your nets and off you go. But when you're out at sea, what do you do? You start singing the Psalms. You start praying. Well, see, that's how you be a Christian. You do it in your fishing boat. You do it however you can do it in whatever part of the world you're at because the church isn't a physical thing. So now we've got David organizing the church, so to speak, or organizing the temple. And we had in the last chapter one chapter to describe the physical organization, but now four chapters to describe the organization of the people. David goes to no lengths, to, you know, to, to every length, basically, to, to establish what he can do. So over the next three chapters, we're going to consider the priests and how they're broken up and what they do, the musicians and how they're broken up and what they do, and the doorkeepers, and that's interesting as well. And technically, you're all those things. You're a priest, you're a worshipper, and you're a doorkeeper. We'll get to that. Lord, I want to thank you for the lengths that David went to to organize the temple, organize worship at the temple, organize sacrifices. And I thank you, Lord, you gave such a godly man to us and he's ours, Lord. He's historical, but he's, he's, Lord, a father to us all, and we learn from him. And we want to take into our hearts the things that we find here in Chronicles. Let our hearts be strengthened and enriched. In Jesus' name, amen.